the great thing about municipal broadband is it, it allows each community to decide what's right for them. We're in the greatest place of all times is being able to make that decision to do what's right for your community. This is episode 235 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. We've wanted to interview folks from Irwin, Tennessee for some time now, and this week we're lucky to have them. The community, population around 6,000, has been building out a fiber-to-the-home system incrementally for the past few years. In addition to improving connectivity for residents and local businesses, the network has improved operations for the municipality's other utilities. Today, Christopher talks with Lee Brown, General Manager of Irwin Utilities, and John Williams, Fiber Engineer. Lee and John describe how the community had carefully considered what was best for them before pursuing a fiber network. As it turns out, they had considered fiber for a while before the circumstances were right to deploy. They started with the pilot program, and the network continues to grow. John and Lee offer Irwin's rationale for the incremental approach and share the way the network has improved services for all utility customers, not only those that take Internet access services. Now here's Christopher talking with Lee Brown, General Manager, and John Williams, Fiber Engineer from Irwin Utilities in Irwin, Tennessee. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with two gentlemen from Irwin, Tennessee. We'll start with Lee Brown, General Manager of Irwin Utilities. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate uh, being able to be part of this today. And we also have with us John Williams, a fiber optic engineer for the Irwin Utilities. Welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks a lot for having us. Great. Well, I'm very excited to get a, an update on what's going on with your incremental approach to uh, building out a, a great network. Uh, but before we dive into the telecom, Lee, I'd like to ask you to just tell us a little bit about Irwin. Uh, you know, when I look at the map, it looks like you're in a pretty beautiful area of the country down there. Absolutely, Chris. Irwin is a small rural town nestled in the Tennessee Blue Ridge Mountains in northeast Tennessee. Uh, the Appalachian Trail passes through here. We get a lot of uh, visitors that hike the trail annually. Uh, we're living a somewhat remote uh, but yet accessible area, and we have very small amount of property for uh, development and industrial development. So that's one of the reasons that we decided we would make our investments in fiber to help promote the economic growth of our community. Irwin's a small town population of just over 6,000 in Unicoi County, Tennessee, and the county population's just over 18,000. When I look back at the history, it looks to me like um, getting into uh, fiber optics is something that your utility has contemplated for a long time uh, before you pulled the switch a couple of years ago. Uh, what what made you originally interested in it? Chris, back this goes back to 1999. The town of Irwin approached us and asked us to look at uh, providing a cable TV solution. And... We did at that time, we contracted for a feasibility study to be done and, and looked at the possibilities of providing a fiber to the home option as well as a hybrid fiber coax system and a traditional coax system for cable TV. And the conclusion was that uh, 
investments in anything other than fiber would be a bad choice, but the investment at that time was estimated to be uh, a little bit above $20 million and had like a 24-year payback, assuming a 50% take rate. Something also notable, only 20% of the homes in our area had a computer at that time. The conclusion was, let's wait for technology to improve and the price of technology to come down. Again, in 2010, we uh, revisited the possibilities of providing fiber. We were looking to uh, possibly receive some of the stimulus funds to help build out our fiber network. And again, we had an updated feasibility study done. And again, we were still above $20 million. And actually, the study said we need to borrow about $27.5 million, assuming a 17-year payback and a 45% take rate. And at that time, we'd seen numbers increase to 72% of the homes had a computer. But the conclusion was that it was too much risk. Let's wait for things to improve. In 2012, we put up our first fiber for our own operations. We put up a backbone and connected 45 SCADA locations in all six county schools. We connected all of our electric, water, and wastewater infrastructure and put in a new SCADA system that was uh, desperately needed for the utility operations. And in 2014 is when we really got started and our board decided we'd make a leap of faith and let's build out a fiber-to-the-home network. Our estimates to uh, build this out in 2014 was around $9 million, and the decision was made that only broadband and voice would be offered, no cable TV. And our surveys also revealed that 80% of the homes had computers and used the Internet, and we decided the time was right. And so let me let me turn to John, and I'm, I'm curious, as a fiber optic engineer, when you came into the picture? Uh, I started uh, working at Irving Utilities in April 2012, right right when we were getting started on the uh, on the backbone, and uh, we we put that in and put in a pretty good capacity. So we weren't sure what we wanted to do. Um, so we wanted to have extra fiber there available so we could use it later at a later date, and uh, hooked up our SCADA system and and uh, did quite a bit of work on that to kind of automate a bunch of different things and, and bring uh, a lot more information in that we just didn't have before. Um, and then, uh, like Lee said, in, in 2014, really tried to um, shift our thinking and, well, what can we use this more for? And, uh, you know, really what we were looking at is uh, how can we do fiber to the home? But things are changing so much faster. I mean, just in the last 10 years, more video and things like that going over the internet. And the internet is kind of like the the main driver behind everything. So that's kind of where we shifted our efforts and and kind of focused in. Well, how can we do this? And and we did our own plan and our own business plan and and our own design to kind of come up with uh, what we thought would work and, and, and do it as a phased approach, too, because we didn't have to build a video head in because we weren't doing cable. So that gives us an advantage of really the only thing we have to build is the fiber. So let's build a little piece at a time 
and then uh, it kind of helps uh, spread over that cash flow that, that we have to put in uh, and invest that we can put it in over time and uh, uh, just makes it a little bit easier, a little bit uh, easier pill to swallow. Well, I'm I'm always interested in the incremental approaches because I I feel like not enough communities are aware that they don't have to do it all at once. And we've seen some tremendous successes from some communities that have uh, built it in a phased approach. Did you look around at some other folks to model your approach after, or did you just try and figure out something that would work based on your own circumstances? I guess I had some experience in operating a system before anyway, and, and kind of had uh, – you know, the, the engineering operations aspect to it and saw a lot of different ways that, you know, as a small utility, I think one of our big advantages is the efficiencies that we can do on a small scale. Um, so if we already know what we need to do and what kind of workflows and processes we have, let's really refine those. And then if we, we start out small, it, it was just an easier sell to make. You know, it was it was – not quite as big of an investment, and then it gave us the opportunity to kind of learn as we went too. Because every time, every day that goes by, you you learn something new and, and make it better. Um, so we kind of came up with it ourselves, and then just kind of uh, compared what we did to what some of the other local utilities, and there's quite a few in Tennessee, uh, what they've done, and just kind of merged and melded and came up with our own uh, plan that we felt like really worked well for us. And Lee, do you have anything to add? Chris, one thing, um, we have heard some stories of other uh, fiber build-outs that maybe didn't go quite as well. And trying to mitigate our risk and just uh, put together a palatable plan for our board of directors, we felt like the phased approach was the best thing to do. Trying to convince them and get them bought in on making a million dollar investment was a whole lot easier than than convincing them to buy in on a nine million dollar investment. And as John pointed out, we've learned so many things from phase one to where we're at today, and each one of those results in savings of dollars spent. So if we'd have gone in and done a full build out, we'd be stuck with what we did from day one. So it's really worked to our advantage and to our customers and ratepayers' advantage as well. So how did you end up financing the, the $1 million cost for the first phase? Well, actually, uh, we have been able to uh, pay for what we've done thus far out operating revenues, and we have not incurred any debt at this time. When you say operating revenues, is that from like sales of dark fiber and things like that, or what kind of revenues? It's from uh, electric system revenues. The electric system owns our fiber optic network and leases that back to our fiber division. And we also get the benefits of instantaneous outage reporting uh, for our customers that take our fiber service. And it's a great advantage for our electric system to be able to receive these notices instantaneously when the customer's power's out. Right. And to be clear, I think um, as a being someone who's regulated by TVA, you're not allowed and um, presumably don't want to subsidize um, any telecom services with electrical revenues. That is correct. And 
so the fiber division's paying its own way as far as uh, utilizing and paying rent and allocations for its use of the fiber. We also use it for our electric system operations, water, wastewater opera- operations as well. And that's that's one of the questions. I'm not sure, John or Lee, which one of you is, is better suited to answer this. But I'm I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about the water and wastewater benefits from the uh, fiber optic network. Um, you know, we all have a sense already of all the smart grid things you can do from a lot of other utilities, but we don't hear as much about the water and wastewater side. Really, the first thing that we did was uh, when we put the backbone in, there's uh, actually most of our uh, remote sites are uh, for water and wastewater, and there's uh, everything from tank level controls, and there's actually a lot of controls that need to take place uh, across the system. So there may be a tank up on a hill, a pretty good ways away, uh, and, and maybe a few miles away in some cases of what that tank needs to tell a pump somewhere else to turn on based on a level and when we started, most of that took place by just these electrodes or it would go over um, just some copper wire that's going down through the woods or it was uh, over on an old phone line uh, and different things like that. So we were actually able to convert all that to pressure transducers, measure all the tank levels, and give real-time inputs, and, and then we redid all the controls as well. So now all of a sudden we have just this massive amount of information uh, for the water system and the the wastewater system of, hey, here's how much water's actually being pumped and here's uh, the difference between the previous days. And so they've been able to really take that and run with it and and find leaks and do all kinds of improvements uh, just because they have so much more data. Uh, and And then going into the future where we have more fiber now, um, you know, the, the possibility to do an AMI and what we'd like to do is, is have uh, water meters and the electric meters kind of work together so you get information from both uh, both of those and just that gives us even that much more data about our system. And, and the more data you have to work with, the more um, decisions you can make that are, that are good because you know you're not just kind of stabbing in the dark. Thanks, John. And Lee, do you have any uh, additional thoughts on that? Just the ability to uh, bring back good data uh, consistently has allowed our water and wastewater operation folks to make informed decisions, be able to identify leaks when they occur in pressure zones, and begin to start to look for those and make those repairs before they uh, leak for weeks or possibly months before they come to the surface of the ground. It's also been able to use uh, the information that's collected to make improvements in our wastewater system and collectively overall reduce the infiltration and inflow uh, into our wastewater collection system and and try to bring us in full compliance with our state uh, regulatory uh, permits. So it's had a lot of benefits for all departments. And let's talk about the the pilot area, John. Um, uh, is it correct that you had about like three hundred potential customers, and over two thirds of them signed up uh, pretty quickly? It seems like. Well, the uh, we're actually on our third phase. We just finished finished building it out, and we're we're connecting customers now. Uh, we initially built out 
uh, past about 1,200 customers with a goal of getting 300, so a 25% take rate. And uh, uh, we kind of planned on that after about two years, uh, getting 25, and we actually hit that a month or two ago. So we're at 25% now and still adding customers in that initial phase. And something interesting that we found is over, since we've been doing it almost two years, new people that move into a home in that pilot area uh, or any area that we've got fiber built out to, um, we're getting about a 55% take rate. So any uh, new customers that are, we're picking up just in general for electric, the, the take rate's much higher than what, what we anticipated. So that, that's a really good sign for us going into the future. And so that's just doing a high-quality Internet product and a telephone. Have you had any um, interesting revelations about not offering cable service? Well, you know, really, I think over the last year, it seems the biggest thing is uh, Wi-Fi. We, pro- we provide Wi-Fi as part of our service. Uh, you mean like a remotely managed Wi-Fi product specifically? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, when we first started, it, it was – you know, people just wanting internet service and, and have a few devices. And now the customers that we're really getting signing up, are they have, they have so many devices and they're really using it to watch TV. So uh, I can't tell you how many times customers have completely changed their habits when they switch to us. They'll switch away from the cable company and drop cable, cut the cord altogether and then use our service to stream device, stream things. And, of course, all those things are wireless. And uh, it's kind of almost now, it's like I feel like we have to have that to be able to serve our customers for what they want to do. It's, it's just amazing how many devices are in their homes, and, and they're really using it to watch video on. I guess I'm I'm curious, Lee, as the general manager of the utility, has um, as you've been doing you know, connecting more customers and doing these um, incremental expansions, has offering uh, telecom changed the utility in any way that surprised you? Your relationship with uh, your your customers and ratepayers? Well, we just continually uh, receive great feedback from our customers as far as our. Uh, attention to their needs, their level of customer service that's delivered uh, to their home on the install and anytime they have a problem, which is rare, uh, if they have any needs in the future, uh, the attention that they get and the quick response. I think it has only worked to our advantage and build and further strengthen uh, what I would consider would be a good relationship with our existing electric water and wastewater customers, this only strengthens it and and will really work to the benefit of all in the future. You know, do you have a lot of people that are trying to get on your good side to make sure that their neighborhood is the next one you expand into? Hardly a day passes that somebody doesn't ask, when are you coming to my house? And So our, our goal is to try to complete our build out by the end of the calendar year of 2018. So that's still a little ways out, uh, a lot that has to be done between now and then, but we feel like it's an obtainable goal. And, and yes, uh, some are going to have to wait, but um, the way the system was designed, we really can't pick and choose where we go. We've got a systematic plan in place, and we're going to see it through, and it's worked really well thus far. One of the other great benefits that uh, we may have not talked about by using a phased approach is 
it allows your installer to concentrate in one area. So being in this one small area, he doesn't have to drive far to do his work. If we had deployed system-wide, we could be scheduling installs, you know, from one end of the system to the other in the same day or having to jump around for service calls. And at least right now as we're, we're building and learning and expanding, you know, we're fairly concentrated and we think there's a great benefit plus a cost savings just from logistics being in the same same general area. And are you seeing people generally taking the base package? Uh, it looks like you're, um, if my information is correct, uh, you, you're, the base package would be a 25 megabit symmetrical service um, and um, people can go much faster. Do you see people going for faster speeds often? Uh, I'd say probably about 90% uh, go for that base, uh, base speed package. And it looks like that's um, considerably below, it's certainly considerably below what I'd be paying my cable company, I'd tell you that. We oh, think yeah, our yeah. service is a great value for what we offer. Right, and that's uh, is that is that it's about fifty dollars for um, both uh, telephone service and the uh, uh, twenty-five megabit service. Or correct me if I've got that wrong. Twenty-five megs uh, service is kind of our base. It's fifty dollars, and then there's no rental of any kind. So that's kind of everything you you need, and that's the wireless managed product and everything involved is with that. Uh, and then you can upgrade that to 100 meg service for another $20 a month. And then uh, phone lines are $25 a month. And then there there is some tax associated with that. So you have to add those add those to it. But our base kind of package is just 25 meg internet. Great. Now let me ask you, um, one of the things that, um, and I'll, I'll pose this to you first, Lee and John, feel free to, to weigh in, but um, is that when you start doing telecom, you open yourselves up to be attacked by the uh, cable and telephone companies, the, the big private companies that are trying to make sure no one else is uh, competing with them. And I'm curious what your experience has been. Um, I presume you have not escaped unscathed from the battles in Nashville and uh, and wider even about whether cities should be doing what you're doing. Occasionally we see some efforts uh, from our incumbent providers to offer some some deals or some different things that uh, might try to attract or retain their customers. But uh, the service that we offer and the past experience that they've had with their incumbents we don't have to do a very big sales job to, to try to win our customers over. We've had something that I've never remembered happening uh, in our area is just recently the cable TV company had somebody going door to door trying to uh, sign up folks or get them on a deal. And I have no idea how successful it was, but we've not noticed any loss in our customers. Well, and, and John, I know that um, responding to some of the, the political attacks that the incumbents uh, sometimes offer, in particular Comcast and AT&T, I'm not even sure which incumbents you have there, but in Nashville, AT&T and Comcast have been very aggressive in trying to attack municipal networks. Um, we had covered a story picking up on a local news story that suggested you went to Nashville, but I understand that that was incorrect. So we were uh, perhaps an early purveyor of false news, unfortunately, in that story we recovered. <laughs> yeah, no, we had a, a local, our local newspaper uh, had called and was and was kind of talking about uh, that that Nashville meeting, which which really was kind of more about uh, municipalities expanding outside of their electric footprints. And of course, right now we're 
we're still working to complete the build out inside of our our footprint and uh uh i think it was he was kind of more questioning what chattanooga and some some of the other folks uh uh wilson north carolina uh, with the fcc about how their um fcc's pushing to allow them to go out and then uh the state uh is is forcing them to stay within their service area and you know there's there's about 900 customers inside of Unicoi County that we don't serve electric. Um, so, you know, how does that, uh, is that something that we would want to look at doing once we finish our build out? Uh, you know, and currently today we, we couldn't do that, but I think it is something that really interests us a lot is being able to serve those people where it's a real rural area and a, and a very mountainous, uh, part of the County. Uh, and a good portion of them have no access to high speed, data at all if the the law loosens up a little bit i think it'd be great so we could have the potential to go in there and really help some of those people and and, and give them a good service and in a lot of ways they'd have a better service than a huge uh percentage of the whole country does right well i'm i'm curious just and this is my i think my last question um is do you feel pressure from the the bristol region or i think johnson city is doing some stuff with um trying to connect to some businesses or i don't know how far you are from morristown but you 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 feel some pressure from some of those areas that have had this service for a while so i don't really feel any pressure um i think this is the great thing about municipal broadband is it it allows each community to decide what's right for them. And we've looked at this for many years, and finally the time was right and we acted. Everybody's uh, system, their demographics, their customers per mile, a lot of things go into uh, making a decision to deploy a fiber-to-the-home network. I just really feel like we're in the greatest place of all times is being able to make that decision to do what's right for your community. And if it doesn't make sense, then you just don't do it. But the time was right, and our board decided we needed to move forward, and we've done it in a very systematic, planned approach, and, and we feel like that we're going to be just tremendously successful in the future with Irwin Fiber. Great. Well, I applaud that sentiment uh, coming from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. We love it when people are making their own decisions locally. Uh, is there any last thoughts you wanted to share that we didn't get to cover um, in terms of uh, the network? Just a few weeks ago, we had a new sign-up at the time of the install. Our uh, installer, Craig, was out getting the lady connected up, and she said, thank goodness you all came. said, I'd called the cable company and they came out to hook me up a couple of weeks ago and the technician showed up and he said i'm sorry to tell you but i can't hook you up you're too far away from the main line and she asked the cable technician well what should i do he told her he said if i was you i'd call Irwin fiber and get hooked up with them <laughs> our competition is sometimes our best salesperson that's great. I, I, I certainly commend that spirit. Thank you both for joining us on the show and sharing more about your, uh, your phased approach. I think it's something we're going to see a lot more of from communities moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, we've put a lot of effort into trying to figure out how to do it correctly. And, and we've had a lot of our peers reach out to us and ask us to share lessons learned. And, and we're always glad to do that. Wonderful. And thank you, John. 
Hey, thanks a lot, Chris. I really enjoyed being on the show. That was Lee Brown, General Manager, and John Williams, Fiber Engineer from Irwin Utilities in Irwin, Tennessee. Learn more at muninetworks.org, where we've been following Irwin's progress. Remember, we have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Please email us with your ideas for the show. Send a note to podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, too. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR podcast family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research? You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thanks to Admiral Bob for the song Turbo Tornado, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks all to you for listening to episode 235 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Music